We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And tonight on the back end of a back-to-back against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Wolves lost 100-98. Playing without Cat, I mean, this team just does not have a wide margin for error. They got to hit their shots. And they shot 29% from three tonight. And that's going to happen, you know, high volume three-point team. You know, they're going to they're gonna miss shots. Three-point shooting is volatile. I mean, Beasley... For example, tonight he—I mean—he's a pretty great shooter, and he missed all six of his threes. Again, that's that's going to happen, but but when it does, that's basically that's basically your full margin for error. You can't roll up forty-five percent shooting from two like they did tonight if you're going to be missing that many threes. I mean, with Ant, what we've been talking about is how kind of fifty percent from two—that's got to be the line, and and that doesn't just apply to Ant; that applies to everyone if you're if you're going to have an effective offense. And in tonight's game, Ant, Nas, Noel, Vanderbilt, Akogi, D'Lo, and Rubio all shot under 50% from two. I don't think you're beating anyone if that happens. So, related to that on one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is just this team's this team's shot selection this year and how that's you know how how that's contributing to the Wolves having uh, the least effective offense in the league right now. I mean, we're we're 20 games into the year, and and that's always kind of the the arbitrary line I draw in the sand each year before I start really, I guess really just kind of looking at numbers, you know, and, and considering them to actually be a signal of something, I guess, I guess that's the first marker of no longer a small sample size. So we're going to get into those numbers a little bit um, as they apply to the team as a whole. But then I also want to focus tonight's conversation on the, just the future of the power forward position. We're really going to, 
We're really going to go in there. I mean, we've done tons of scrambling this this year, talking about the power forward position. You know, dating back to the preseason from Wancho to Vanderbilt to Akogi as a small ball option, but but really, I mean, we we've come to to know, or when we've been talking about those, we've known all along that that none of those options are really long term answers as starting front court partners for Cat. So tonight we'll, we'll zoom out a little bit, and and I think Jaden McDaniels' play of late is hinted at the possibility that you know that he might be a real piece in the equation here of a of a guy who could be an option next to Cat beyond the 2020-2021 year. I mean, we don't know he is the one, but it's time, I think. I mean, it's kind of been an extended run of games. It's time to start considering that when we talk about Jaden McDaniels. And then also related to the power forward position, um, with the Wolves having played the Cavs twice here, I, I want to talk about Larry Nance Jr. I mean, we know the Wolves pursued Nance on the trade market this offseason, and we know that this... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Front office, you know, doesn't give up as easily. They have a history of kind of circling back to guys that they initially swung and missed on. So we'll talk a little bit tonight about what it might look like if the Wolves do knock on Cleveland's door again here at the trade deadline for Larry Nance. Um, but we'll talk about what it would what it would cost to acquire Nance, or I guess guess what that would be. But then kind of more importantly, I think, is talk about how he might fit in the Wolves' scheme at the power forward position. So yeah, we'll talk a little bit just about what the future of the power forward position might hold. And a good place to start with that is with Jaden McDaniels' game tonight. So we will do that after a quick break. What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Pro, Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. 
So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. All right, and the place to start with Jane McDaniels is the fact that, you know, currently the Wolves don't really have any other starting power forwards on the roster. I mean, an, even an optimized version of Wancho is, is really a, a backup stretch big. I, I think we know that now. And, and Jared Vanderbilt has shown he's a rotation big too, but but it's clear that, at least as of now, he, he's overmatched in the starting role. And, and it's okay if his ideal role might just be an energy big off the bench. And then, you know, I've been flying the flag on Josh Okoge power forward, but uh, it's been pretty clear in these last two games where he started – at power four that he does he just doesn't have the offensive concept down of how to play that position right now i mean he's really struggled with the whole art of when do i screen which is you know pretty critical if you're going to play power forward i mean my, my whole contention with a kogi at the four you know is, is that playing him there shouldn't really impact this team defensively you know particularly against a, a smaller team you know Okogi can still guard the opponent's best wing, and and then someone like D'Lo or Edwards is then can be hidden off ball on the the opponent's stretch four like that. Defensively, that that can work against smaller teams, but but really, and I think this is the area that I underestimated was for Okogi to work at power forward. I mean, two things need to happen offensively. He needs to be able to act like a big offensively, setting screens, and you know, operating almost exclusively from the corners like a big would. If he, I mean, if he's going to be on the perimeter, it's got to be in the corner. And he's clearly not been forced to do that in the past two games. So that's contributed to it not working. But then he's also got to execute it like a big. That's on him. He, he needs to know how and when to set a screen and how to bide his time when he's in the dunker spot. I mean, straight up, I mean, just a Kogi looks pretty awkward right now when he's, when he's playing that position. I mean, he gets out in the, that horn set next to a center and he just is – he doesn't look comfortable. And if both of those boxes aren't checked, I mean, Okogi just can't play power forward in a game you're trying to win right now. Which brings us to Jade McDaniels, who is a power forward, who looks like you, you can play if you're trying to win. I mean, McDaniels looks like the most comfortable in the position on the roster right now. I mean, he, I think he plays confident and fierce in that role. And obviously, he's a rookie, just turned 20, but that comes with warts, and they'll continue to be warts. But he he looks like the best bet on the roster right now to give you, you know, night in, night out, a chance at getting starter-level production from that position. And if that's true, and then you factor in his upside, I mean, it's no contest that McDaniels is the most likely player currently on the roster to be the power forward of the future. Obviously, part of that is the other options are very mediocre, but but McDaniel's play has popped. I mean, it's it's been the shocking development of the season. I mean, I, for me, I, I came in I came into the season after taking one glance at him and was very skeptical that someone that looked like him could be a power forward. He's just so thin. But you know that that hasn't been the front offices and the coaching staff stance. They apparently came into camp filing McDaniel's into the power forward position role. Ryan with, with Jaden. 
just kind of thinking back to, to training camp, did you envision that this would, would more so be his role kind of at the quote unquote power forward position, yeah. or is that something that he's kind of gathered the concept to along, along this season? And, and do you see it being his kind of primary position going forward? Yeah. I mean, from day one, we've, we've slotted him in as a, as a four um, and, and a, you know, what we see as a matchup problem for, um, you know, and, and his, his ability to pick things up defensively has, has kind of fast tracked the process a little bit. Um, but I mean, I think you see his feel offensively too, uh, is something that, um, you know, that, that we like, uh, his ability to make plays, put the ball on the floor, floor too. Um, and he's got nice touch and he's got a nice shooting stroke. Um, so, you know, we've, we've always, we've seen him as a four, but you know, somebody who can also, you know, play some three. Saunders also went on in his postgame presser to say that, you know, the, the play of McDaniels and also Jalen Noel has put some of the other guys who started the season higher on the depth chart on notice. I mean, the implication there was pretty clear. And that's that McDaniels could be, you know, he could be coming for the power forward minutes that were initially slotted for Wancho. Or that, I mean, I guess to a lesser degree, the, the minutes, Kogi's played a lot of minutes at the four. Culver's played a lot of minutes at the four. I mean, I think McDaniels certainly has put those minutes on notice. He did, I mean, McDaniels did close the game tonight over Josh Okoge. We saw Saunders adjust McDaniels' second half rotation so that he came in earlier during the third and out earlier in the fourth so that he could come in at the end of the game. I mean, that right there, that's a, that's a sign. That's a bit of confidence. I, I do expect McDaniels to continue to get a significant shot even as Wancho returns to the mix. I mean, when you bring back Wancho, you bring back Cat eventually, bring back... Culver, too. I mean, people are going to get pinched. But I'd, I'm at this point, I'd be pretty shocked if McDaniel's is the one who gets pinched. Saunders also threw in the line there that you know McDaniel's could also play some three, and I mean that's the versatility, right? That allows not only versatility on the floor but flexibility in your roster construction. And and I think that's how we can kind of start to picture, you know, or start viewing the trade deadline or next off season. You know, even if McDaniel's is awesome for the rest of this year, you know, we could still consider another power forward being brought in. Because in time, I mean, Cat is going to need assistance in the front court physically. You know, not only in a rim protector, but in another sturdy body to counter the physicality that, you know, bigger opponents are going to throw at them. And I think that's where Larry Nance Jr. as a hypothetical comes in. I mean, obviously, with any hypothetical trade, it's important to consider contracts and outgoing compensation and all that. And we can do that in a second. But I do think the conversation starts with asking, you know, who is Larry Nance as a player? And unfortunately, we didn't really get to see that in these two, in this Cleveland back to back. But I mean, well, Nance only played limited minutes on Sunday and then sat out tonight with a sore wrist. But but Nance really is having a good year. I mean, he's he started not only being used as a modern big offensively but he's he's finding effectiveness in that role and last year's when Nance kind of he started stretching the floor a little bit more he shot 159 threes made 35 percent of them and this year he's made 39 percent of the 62 threes he's taken and he's taking them from you know not just the corner it's the corner and above the break they're using him like a real stretch four and I mean I was looking at it like it's 39 percent but he's also missed his last eight threes over the past I think it was like three, four, or five games, something like that. So he was shooting nearly 45% from three to start the year. But stretching the floor is only one part of being a modern big. I mean, Nance hits on the other nuances that come with playing the four in the modern NBA too. 
I asked Saunders what he's seen from Nance this season, um, just in terms of kind of his evolution into a modern big. Yeah, no, he's extended his range. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the fact that he, he's able to play behind the basket, um, uh, you know, off the dunker area, um, but then also mash out to the corners, um, you know, that, that helps. That helps him play, you know, where they are playing a bit more modern in that sense because they do have fives who are, are pressure on the rim type of guys. But, um, you know, it's, it's all about him being able to, to extend his range, and he's been able to do that. Um, you know, and then he, he's also a guy who's a, who's a role, role threat too. Um, at the four position, how, you know, there are a number of those guys in this league now. I do think what Saunders is describing there is pretty close to what the Wolves ideally want from their power forward position. I mean, obviously, that's not what Saunders is talking about there, but those descriptions, I mean, that's kind of what I understand the Rosa's vision for the four to be. I mean, since Saunders has taken over, the Wolves have only had fours that check a few of those boxes. I mean, Nance would be the most well-rounded true four that Saunders has coached easy. And, you know, a big part of that is it was what he didn't just touch on in that clip. It's it's what Nance can do defensively. I mean, Nance would provide Cat with the first front court rim defender he's ever really had since Saunders took over. I mean, Tosh Gibson and Dario Saric were, were, were solid defenders, but they were they were positional defenders, right? Like they it was more about positioning themselves than it was about shot deterrence. And then there's obviously Rocco too, who was a you know a great hands defender. He played the passing lanes really well, but he didn't defend the rim, and we saw that have you know a residual impact on Cat. Nat Nance would provide a, a different wrinkle with his ability to elevate and wall up in rim defense. I was watching a lot of his his defense from this year, and it's just it's just a physicality that the Wolves don't have. I mean. He Nance is fleet of foot enough to check like those fours who want to try and play off the bounce a little bit, and he can even switch some on the on the perimeter. I mean, Larry Nance is just a well-rounded modern-day four who can play both sides of the ball, and that's why the Wolves pursued him this this summer as a trade candidate. I feel like the names like PJ Tucker and Aaron Gordon got more run, but Nance was another name the Wolves looked at. Obviously, it was then determined that the price to land Nance was was too steep this offseason but you know time sort of shakes everything up and and can shift needs the Cavs I mean literally the the Cavs have already made a big trade Torian Prince wasn't on the team at the beginning of the year and now he's backing up Nance not to mention that the Cavs still have Kevin Love under contract for 30 million dollars a year over the next beyond this year for two more years if you look at the if you look at the Cavs books I mean their four highest played players right now are all bigs Love Drummond, Prince, and Nance. And that doesn't even include Jared Allen, who, man, he was he was a beast tonight. I mean, Jared Allen's going to be up for a new contract at the end of this season, and you would assume that because they traded for him, they're for sure planning on bringing him back. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that Cleveland can like Nance, and I think they do. But they can still look at their roster and, and deem him worth being tradable. And to do that, I mean, Nance's salary is $11.7 million this year. And it goes down to 10.7 next year and 9.7 the year after that. He signed one of those descending contracts. And that contract would fit nicely on the Wolves. I mean, it's not too big to really infringe on the possibility of eventually adding another star. And it's also reasonable enough to be matched up in a trade, you know, with some of the Wolves' more theoretically expendable pieces. You know, the guys 
that are making that three to seven million dollars to to match Nance's eleven point seven million. You gotta you need to at a minimum send out nine point five million. And with the Wolves roster, there's really only two ways that they can they can get into that nine point five million dollar window, and that's that's one Jarrett Culver six point one million and Jake Lehman three point eight, or Wancho Hernan Gomez six point five and Jake Lehman three point eight. Because Culver is is younger and still on a rookie deal, I mean Cleveland would likely prefer the Culver and Lehman package. And even though Nance cost one point eight million more than Culver and Lehman combined, I mean the Wolves do have that much space below the luxury tax right now to to take that on. They have about three million in space, so doing that deal would not push the Wolves into the luxury tax. <laughs> this trade, if it if it actually happened would make the cutting of Rondé Hollis-Jefferson make sense because if they did still have Hollis-Jefferson's contract on the books, then Nance's extra money would actually you know, push the Wolves into the luxury tax, which they're not going to do this year. The, the question would, would become, though, in, in a package, if it were Culver and Lehman, I mean, how do you make it worth Cleveland's while? They're not going to just take Culver and Lehman for Nance. I mean, we just... Just laid out what Nance is. I mean, he's a pretty good player and a pretty good contract. And I mean, obviously, this deal doesn't have to be specifically Culver and Lehman, but I think that's a reasonable, you know, outline. And however you want to put the the package together, I mean, the Wolves are going to have to attach draft compensation. And I think the question ultimately boils down to whether or not the Wolves would be willing to attach a first round pick. I mean, my speculation would be that Cleveland would ask for that, and my assumption is that the Wolves would not be willing to give that up even if it were a, a future first and and I say that not because I don't think the Wolves front office deems Nance's quote-unquote not being worth a first but but say the Wolves did attach a protected 2025 first to that package to a, a Culver Lehman package well that becomes a bigger problem if you're the Wolves and you're eventually trying to add a star I mean, we know the going rate for a star these days is like three or more first-round picks, right? So if the Wolves have their 2025 pick tied up in a, from a Nance deal, then then what they can offer in terms of other first-round picks in that other deal is, is limited. I mean, you can't trade picks in back-to-back years, so now the 2026 pick is frozen, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if there are protections, the pick is, you know, the a lot more of the future picks are, are frozen in place. So, which is that's all a long way of me saying I, I don't I don't see the Wolves being willing to give up more than two second round picks for Nance, something like that. I, I just don't think they, I don't think they put a, a first on the table, which would mean in the Culver Layman package that the best package the Wolves could offer are their two best seconds. They they don't have their 2021 second that went to Golden State in the D'Lo deal, so their 2022 and 2023 second round picks, Culver Layman 2022 and 2023, would that interest Cleveland? I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, what we do know is that, or what we can infer is that Cleveland probably doesn't love Jarrett Culver. I mean, they had the number five pick in the 2019 draft that Culver went number six, and Cleveland chose Darius Garland over Culver when they already had Colin Sexton on their roster. I mean, they deemed Garland a better fit than Culver, who on paper certainly would be a would have been, you know, in the draft a better a better fit there. I mean, they still have the same front office, so I think it's fair to speculate they 
probably aren't big fans of Jared Culver. Obviously, we don't know that. I mean, at the same time, you know, Cleveland's been wheeling and dealing. I, like They almost made this exact same type of deal a year ago with Houston. Not Houston, sorry, Utah, right? They traded away Jordan Clarkson to Utah for Dante Exum and two second-round picks. That's basically the same deal, and I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a better comp for Jared Culver right now than Dante Exum. And a year ago, you know, Cleveland was willing to take on that bet. Obviously, you know, talking trades is always speculation, funny business. I mean, the biggest factors in a trade going down are the factors we have just know the least about. Like, what the front offices subjectively think of the players being traded. We don't know that. All, all, all we do know is that the Wolves have a glaring need at the power forward position and that they've previously registered interest in Nance. I think that means he's, you know, if we're putting together fake trades, a list of names, Nance belongs on there. Before we close out tonight, I do quickly want to hit on where the Wolves are at in terms of um, just their shot selection 20 games into the year. And I, because, again, I think this is a good place to just kind of take note. And, and I think the place to start with that is is reminding ourselves of, you know, what the Wolves' shot chart looked like last year. They obviously came into the season with a big emphasis on changing that in for the 2019 season. And they did. They were 7th in the league in volume of shots at the rim, 28th in volume of shots from mid-range, and they took the third most threes. Heavy volume at the rim and from deep, and then low volume from mid-range. It was their stated goal, right, to shift the shot chart, and they did. And they were terrible in terms of effectiveness with shooting. I mean, they were bad at all those spots. 22nd in field goal percentage at the rim, 29th in field goal percentage from mid-range, and 27th in field goal percentage from three. But they shot them where they wanted to. And that's why it's interesting to note that that's changed this year through 20 games. I mean, the, obviously no cat, so all those caveats. But the Wolves are, you know, the, the Wolves shot chart has changed. And it's not at the rim. I mean, they're shooting almost the exact same percentage of volume of their shots. 38% of their shots at the rim last year. 38.2% of their shots at the rim this year. But they've fallen from third in three-point volume last year to 19th in three-point volume this year. So, I mean, you can do the math. That means they're shooting substantially more mid-range shots this year. Now, is that more about relenting on those shot guidelines? Or is it about personnel? I asked Saunders about that before the game. Ryan, now like a, a quarter of the way through the season, I've kind of got a sample size of, of, of some numbers here. And you guys are shooting um, kind of substantially more mid-range shots this year. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm curious what the, how much of that is, um, is new personnel versus yeah. maybe wanting to execute on that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of, of new personnel. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about how D'Angelo is a guy that, uh, you know, his, his numbers in the mid range, um, you know, are acceptable. And, you know, he's, he's got a body of work that um, those are acceptable shots, you know, in, in the right moments for him. Um, now, you know, there's, there's other guys and, and Hey, if you look at last year, you know, we, we tried to break a number of guys habits, um, you know, out of the mid range, um, you know, and, and it took a little bit of time. Um, but I think there's a number of guys showing a lot of improvement, you know, in terms of, their shot selection. And I think uh, Ant's one of them. We've seen that the last couple of games, especially. Um, I think Malik Malik is coming along in that sense too. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, we'll, we'll continue to get better and better and our shot profile 
um, and execution, you know, and that, that is a factor. And especially late in games, you know, it might call for, you know, certain shots or in certain situations. If you do go player by player and look at shot frequencies, a, a lot of the volume from mid-range is coming from D'Angelo Russell, as Ryan said. I mean, D'Lo is taking 45% of his shots this year from the mid-range. Last season, no one on the Wolves shot over 40% of their shots from mid-range. Teague took 39% of his shots from there, and Wiggins took 34 But it's not just D'Lo. I mean, the Wolves added other personnel as well, right? I mean, Ricky Rubio. Rubio's actually taken 46% of his shots from mid-range this year. And together, Rubio and Russell have taken 176 mid-range jumpers in the first 20 games. They haven't even played in all the games. I mean, that's just a lot. So the question is, how, how effective can we plan on those shots being? I mean, D'Lo's only made 41% of his mid-range shots this year, and Rubio's only made 38% of his. That's, I mean, league average is 42%, which means those shots have thus far not proven to be acceptable. For D'Lo, I mean, he's normally better than that. I mean, he's not substantially better. He's been in the 43 to 46% range from mid-range the past three years. And, I mean, that that's not exactly a historical record of those being very profitable, but... But D'Lo's weird. I mean, he's a he's he's one of the few players out there who's a lot better at long twos than he is from the short mid range. Last season, D'Lo made fifty percent of his deep twos, and that that would be that is acceptable. That's probably what Ryan's getting at. I mean, Russell hasn't been yet, there yet this season. He's just again making forty three percent of his long twos thus far. But I think it's reasonable, you know, to think that D'Lo's mid range jumpers will improve as the year goes on. Just as kind of a progression to the mean, and then also Cat should open up some things too. Rubio, on the other hand, he does not have a, re- a track record of being better than this. He's made 38% of his mid-range shots this year and made 39% in Phoenix last year and 38% in Utah the year before that. I mean, this is, this is who Ricky Rubio is from mid-range. <laughs> Ironically, though, I mean, Rubio is another one of those guys who's, who's – uh, better at long, you know, long mid-range shots than he is from from that short mid-range area, which is a, another way of saying that with Russell and Rubio, the Wolves point guards do not have floater games at all. Delo is a better mid-range shooter than Rubio. So to some end it makes sense that he's he's shooting some of them, but at the end of the day, I mean, they've got to cut down their volume from there overall if they want to become a more efficient offense. And those two, they're the primary culprits right now of the of that outsized mid-range. Ryan, Ryan mentioned Ant in there, but Ant's actually only taken 25% of his shots from mid-range. His shot profile's fine. If the Wolves' offense does improve when Cat returns, you know, part of that will be because D'Lo and Rubio, you know, are getting down to that, down more to that Ant range of, of the volume of mid-range shots. I mean, that will get their shot chart back closer to their frequencies from last year, which were really good in terms of frequency. And then now, theoretically, with better talent, should improve, you know, in terms of effectiveness. All right, that's all I got for tonight. I will be back with Will DeBerg tomorrow evening to do another uh, sort of film review check-in on Anthony Edwards. Uh, Will and I, if you listened um, 10 games ago, we did uh, we did a film review of Edwards' LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman when they were 10 games into the season. And now that we're at 20 games, um, we're going to, again, take stock of of what Edwards has shown kind of in these next 10 games. 
and what this kind of first quarter of the year has been. But instead of also doing LaMelo and Wiseman again, this time we're going to we're gonna review Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro, who are another two other lottery picks who both Will and I were high on coming out of the draft, so we're gonna, we'll take some stock there too. So look for that in your feed late Tuesday night. I will also be back after the game Wednesday night against the Spurs. This is where we're at right now. The Wolves are 5-15 and 15 through the first 20 games. I will talk to you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.